0: back. Episode number 73 of the New York Pages podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and the Rangers are up 2 nothing in the series. It's incredible. Heading home. We're going to be with Josh to break it all down. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to insidetherink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we are back. Rangers are up 2 nothing in the series. We got Joshua Hulph in here. Josh, how's it going? Man,
1: it, it can't really get better right now, right? No. I mean... What's what's not like?
0: No,
2: it's, I mean, it, it it's things are it's it's been like I don't know what you could have asked for like better start right. to a series. Yeah, I mean, like just,
1: I mean, offensively, defensively, everything looks completely different. Right? They're they're in complete control. It looks like they're built for it, and the Devils right now don't look like they're built for it. But you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But you know,
2: no, it's just the thing that like for me I'm like you know I heard. uh you know, I'll say this. I heard Ryan Whitney talk about this about like the first time him and the Penguins, that entire group was in the playoffs. And the first period they went out, I don't know who they played. I think it might have been Ottawa and they were outshot 20 to nothing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, and like, this isn't the same type of thing because I think this is a more possibly like a, maybe it's a well more well-rounded team also i don't really remember that 2007 pittsburgh penguins team in depth so i'm not gonna go you know talk about that more but it's 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 in the same ballpark as that um but you know you're you're known as the new york rangers analytics guy what are a lot of a lot of people you know uh I'm just going to kind of jump into some stuff here because it's just, the game just ended literally like 15 minutes ago. So it's not like we had time to like prep questions and everything. So I'm just going to kind of shoot off the cuff here. What yeah. are some things the Rangers are actually doing? If you can kind of talk about it right. uh, defensively, that they're kind of what they're doing defensively against the devils in this series as opposed to what they were doing during the regular season when those regular games come kind of to wild, wild west a little bit. Right. So, I don't know about you guys,
1: right? But like when I'm watching the game, I see two s- s- things that like really, really stick out. to me. The first one is obviously like I'm talking about like how the Rangers are able to really keep their sticks in the right position against all the Devils rush chances. The Devils don't really seem like they're trying to cycle at all. And during the regular season, they were seen as, you know, this dangerous rush team, but they never really generated a lot of uh, cycle chances. The Rangers were a team that I think up to a certain point, maybe it was around the deadline. I think, Maybe they slipped a little bit when, you know, they had those six, seven games of being completely under men. Um, But for the most part, the Rangers could go both ways. So the Rangers know, hey, like if Jack Hughes likes to carry this puck as much as he likes, you know, we swarm him. And they always try to go cross ice. So right now the Rangers are really, you know, keeping that pretty locked down. The other thing that I really like to see that I didn't really see a lot during the Rangers, really in general throughout the regular season, is... Every time they seem to be in a boards battle or getting ready to break out, they always have at least – it doesn't even seem like one guy, two guys of support. They're always breaking out with so many different short passes and a lot of them. In the regular season, everybody's talking about, like, oh, the Rangers keep trying these stretch passes and it's not working out. It almost looks like they're, like – you know, like everybody was saying, hey, we don't really care so much about the regular season. Like, they know how to play right now. And it's it's looking great.
0: Yeah, one it's, of the- it, You're right because
2: yeah. it, it is – one thing that I'm sorry, just to jump on no, your no, point about that, like it's it's the it, you could tell that it, it, there's a switch that this team turned on, and it, it the most obvious part is blocking shots. They didn't block shots like this during the regular season at all, but it's a complete and total buy-in because you know what? It's the playoffs. Yeah, it, everything else goes. Yeah, and it's it, yeah, you're right. It, that and that's one of the things that I could definitely see uh, has changed as well yeah and you know like i know i think
1: earlier in like the analytics uh you know communities rise to like i guess more popularity uh among like hockey fandom i know there was a lot of arguments about like the whole blocking shots thing right but at the end of the day at the in the playoffs you got to do it and yeah. the fact the fact is the uh, you know the devils were you know averaging like 35 shots a game in the regular season right now they're averaging 25 like that's 10 less shots I and mean, when you got Igor in goal and you have lines that could really just keep rolling 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 like you're going to get a couple of goals like right now they're they're looking like a well-oiled machine and you love it right like on both sides of the puck they're doing exactly what's necessary to
2: do
0: yeah the, the other thing though that i see is that every time the rain i'm sorry the devils have the momentum it used to be during the regular season. Once the other team has the momentum and seems like things are kind of falling apart for the Rangers, it's just a total collapse. It's just total, just totally dysfunctional. But with the Devils, this series—I'm sorry—against the Devils, it's that they're bending, but they're not breaking. Like they mess up a few times, but then they get they get back to the structure from beforehand. They get reset, and yeah, in the regular season, they mess up a few times, and and it's over. Like you're gonna like. Tonight, right, there was a two-minute shift in the Rangers' end. The Devils were dominating, but the Rangers kept on recovering and either stick-checking last minute or disrupting the play. In the regular season, that's not happening. That that shift, there's a goal.
1: Right. And, you know, the other thing is, I think the reason why they're doing it is because anytime the Devils have a shift like that, it's, you know, the Rangers have already had two or three shifts like that before them. They know that they're going to get these chances, I think you know according to natural statric at 5 on 5 even though there hasn't been that many you know 5 on 5 minutes cuz there was so many penalties that were going on the rangers controlled the scoring chances pretty handedly for both the first two periods um you know by that point and with how many you know power plays were going to happen and whatever happened at the end of the third period too like really the last half of it was really just a shit show right like nothing it, wasn't it was really- a complete gong show yeah so really at that point you know, the Rangers were dominating pretty much the entire portion of the game. Like, they are the better team on the power play because they're so lethal. And they did, you know, they beat the Devils where the Devils were supposedly having the advantage on five on five. Like, I don't care how many chances the Devils get when the Rangers are up by three goals. Like, of course, the Rangers are going to sit back at that point. So I think when the game is close, the Rangers have been absolutely the better team so far. And you just got to keep it going. And, you know, you got to give Golan credit too. Like, he's doing this without you know, the last change, you hope that with the last change, he's got enough, you know, pre-scouting going on and, you know, they'd be able to keep rolling at home and try to end this in, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, right? Like the sooner they can get some rest and, you know, play the next team, that'd be great, but they got to keep it going.
0: Do the Devils seem, does it seem that the Devils are off or that the Rangers are just playing better or is it maybe a mix? Because it just seems that the Devils, during game 1 like especially that first period like they, there's they didn't expect the rangers to play this way they they never experienced playoffs before and they just never seen the rangers actually backcheck like that had their sticks in position like that they expected okay we skate around them because we are 10 times faster and then they'll just fall apart and then it just didn't happen
1: right i mean there's also like the human aspect of it too right like the rangers tasted going this far last year you know there are times that you're watching the team and you're like in the regular season, you're like, damn, you know, like this does not look like the same team, but at the same time, like they were they sort of knew that they were gonna get close enough to make the playoffs, most likely. They had the talent. And now that the games like you know, like Taco said in that interview, like, you know, the games matter now, like they they know what they have to do. And the other thing is like I you know, I mentioned it with the stretch passing versus the support that they have in the defensive zone, it's completely different, right? In the regular season, the Rangers are trying to stretch pass almost the entire time. I see almost every single time they're in the defensive zone, they got at least one guy getting ready. Like, they make two or three small passes almost consistently now when in the regular season, they, you know, they, they were fine just stretching it in, you know, dealing with a maybe a giveaway and going back the other way. Like, they they always seem to be making the right smart play right now. So, it looks like a different team because, honestly, they're playing like, and in regards to, like, the whole thing with the Devils, I mean, I think the first game they, they were pretty shocked. Second game, I mean, I think the moves that Ruff made, I think he actively made his team worse. Like Seagant Faller is a great defensive defenseman. Brendan Smith at this point of his career is probably not, right? They got slower too with some of the moves that they made. And like they have guys who like to take penalties, like Wood and Bastion do take a lot of penalties. And that just, you know, only goes to the Rangers' favor. So Rough probably also gave them a little bit of an
2: advantage just from his moves, uh, in the beginning of the game. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you can talk about the kid line a little bit, because you know, quite frankly, it is every single time they are on the ice. If it seems like they're doing something good, and I, I feel like the entire Ranger fan base was just yelled, even though the the goal really meant nothing. But when Kako scored, it was just like, "Thank you, I'm I, I'm so happy that he got one." Um, yeah. One of the things that, you know, I think is
1: like really, it, it's sort of twofold, right? When you're looking at the construction of a team, right, the top six is so lethal, you know that at worst, they could probably saw off with somebody, if not take advantage. But what the third line is, you have three 40-point high-talented t- players that are mostly doing it in strength in the regular season. Like If we could just pretend that no stats exist except the regular box, uh, you know, the back of the hockey card numbers, That's that's some pretty sick value to have on your third line. The thing that you all consider is, you know, they are talented enough to even though if they do get a little bit weaker on the defensive zone and maybe allow a couple of chances against, they have the talent to capitalize on the chances that they do generate themselves. And I feel like they're one of the only lines that the Rangers consistently get actual shots on net like other, you know, some of the other lines, you know, they're really going for those high danger chances. I think that third line of the kids, they're willing to do anything. and we, we see it during the regular season, too, that, hey, if they want to grind, they'll grind it out. If they want to go on the rush, they will, but they will get shots on goal. And right now, that's really working out. And how many teams could really match up against it, right? Like, not many teams are that deep. And, you know, when the games are this long and this tough, and so many games in a row, like, this, these are the type of players that do end up, you know, breaking the series open. And right now, they – they are outclassing the Devils' third line. And, you know, that gives the Rangers so many more minutes of the ice where they are the better team. Um, like, the way that I sort of look at analytics, at least at the moment, is we are currently basing everything, like, using shots as a proxy, right? Like, these, all these numbers are from shots because shots might be equivalent to possession, even though, you know, there's some players that like to hold on to the puck and whatnot. But at the same time, the way I see it is if you're a player that plays a certain amount of ice time and you get so much of these amount of shots percentage-wise, that's how many chances that the Rangers have to be the better team. So, for example, Adam Fox, right, plays almost 25 minutes a night is at least...
2: Unless he gets ejected.
1: Right? Yeah. Unless unless he gets
2: ejected. Right.
1: So, and he, you know, in terms of shots for and shots against, right, or scoring chances for, scoring chances... You know, he's a 75% scoring chance for a player this game. That means every time he's on the ice, the Rangers get three scoring chances. The other team might get one. And if he's playing almost half the game, that's half the game where you are beating the team 75% of the time. Right? Yeah. That's not even counting every other player that they have. So... When you have a superstar player like that that's playing so many minutes, and then you have a third line that can eat another team's third line that doesn't really generate those kind of shots, you become a better team for at least half the game, which always gives you a better chance to win. So that's honestly what I, what I see. I see a team that's really, really deep, and their star players are all showing up right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, the whole problem is not just this season with Kako. It's just his finishing ability. And not just in this game where he scored. It's just like the past couple of weeks. It's like he's finishing his chances now. It's it's incredible to see because like he's the player that could hit all three posts, and you wouldn't even blink an eye. Like it'd be yeah. oh yeah, it's it's a, it's Kako being unlucky. Um, what do you think about uh, Kane and Tarasenko's <laughs> contributions, um, basically in this series? Because I, I know there were concerns with Kane how maybe he was a bit slow, and then all of a sudden he just explodes has an incredible goal right
1: I mean one you could see his awareness you know in regards to being this offensive brilliant type player right he see the guy like gets rat, and you know everybody's been saying like Kane's a pretty big hockey nerd he knows the kind of player that this player might be like he knows he likes to hang on to the puck and once he sees the guys you know like that cycling back to the blue line we saw that kind of play mess- uh, get messed up for Kako I think I forgot exactly against two. Like he was holding onto the puck for a while. He dragged it up to the oh, blue Barzell, line. Oh, Barzell, I think so, you it know, was, yeah. Complete Thing might have happened twice this season, actually. But, and you know, it's those kind of plays, right? When you get a guy who likes to hold on to the puck, cycling back, you've locked him in. He's on his backhand, right? He could only really go to the other defenseman over there. Like Kane is able to track that really, really well. And you know, I'm happy that his hip was able to hold up for him to like pull away enough to really generate on that two-on-one. What I really like is that Kane and Tarasenko are such two different players that, mm. I mean, as a Rangers fan, you can't even imagine it, right? Like, I, I growing up, uh, watching it, like, you you maybe had one of these type of players on the team totally, and being able to get two more on top of everything that they have. I mean, Tarasenko looks like a bulldog, right? He will break through. He's almost like a power forward, not like a Milan Lucic type, like 6'5", poking, type of dude that barrels through people but he will barrel through people and his shot is just lethal while Kane tries to like get around slow the play down and you know it, they're both such different players but they're both exactly what the Rangers would have needed at different times right I feel like if you got one and not the other um, you'd always wonder hey what if this kind of skill set would have been more uh, important at a certain game but right now we're seeing that both of these skill sets are coming through because there's opportunity
2: for that I've never, I never really truly realized how much sandpaper he brings to the game, and obviously, I'm not talking about Kane right now. I'm talking about Tarasenko, but I never realized that. You know what I mean? Like, I, and maybe it's just, you know, I, it's, it's obviously because I just never really watched the Blues that much, and I completely forgot about that run that they had. Um, but he is, I, I, I mean, like Kane, I, I, you kind of knew what you were getting with him, uh, mainly because he's been. He's such a polarizing figure in, in hockey, but Tarasenko has just been – It's every time I, he's just out there, he's just – it's like a revelation to me. I'm like, I can't believe he's here too. It's, it's, it is really unbelievable.
1: I mean, so the cool thing with Tarasenko is that it's really like a combination of a lot of things, right? First, even as a young prospect going through the KHL, eventually becoming an NHL player – he was always one of the best prospects to actually have been around. Like he, his numbers in the, in Russia were insane. Um, even now, like anytime a good player is coming through Russia, he probably gets compared to Tarasenko's draft year. So Mm. even that by itself, like, you know, that he was a top tier talent from the very beginning. And, you know, we know his numbers in terms of production. Like when he's healthy, he gives you consistent 30 plus goals a year. How many players could really do that? Right. Um, And then the other thing is, right, he wanted to leave the Blues for a couple of years now, and he also, you know, is a free agent to be. He wants to continue to make good money. I mean, he has a great contract, and he's still a young guy to probably be able to cash in. Um, He's doing everything that he needs to do, right? And, you know, friends with Panarin, all these things are coming together. He's a perfect fit right now, and he's really, I think, giving the Rangers exactly what uh, they want, and they're, for the most part, you know, really just – Static to have him especially for what they really gave up so I think he's just awesome to have right now
0: yeah his his sandpaper game is such a sight for sore eyes because the concern in the season is that right they were playing the perimeter game they right. were generating chances in between the dots right in front of the net but the thing is in these two games while he's incredible and in the regular season it's been incredible it's not only just him now and it's not even only the known sandpaper guys it's not only Trochak It's not only uh, um, Tarasenko, it's how Panarin even got a little feisty. Like, you don't see that. And then all of a sudden, all these players start playing that game. And Kreider just, you know, decides to go back to last year's regular season. And everything's just... I mean,
1: you know, back to that Kreider point, right? I mean, if you really think about it, last season, I think he was, in terms of power play shot percentage, something close to 40%. And Kreider doesn't shoot on the power play, right? He tips. So that means, for the most part, every time you shoot five shots at Kreider, two of them, uh, out of the five that hit him, two of them are going in. That wasn't really happening in the regular season. I think he was shooting on the power play closer to 10%. I mean, I'm more, like, usually, you know, the higher the shot percentage, the more likely people are to say, like, oh, that's just really, really good luck. But when you're shooting pucks at somebody and he's shooting pucks from two, you know, two feet away, or not less, with tipping pucks, I'm more inclined to think that Kreider, given his skill set as a, you know, top tier net presence, it's probably closer to that 40% than he is to that 10%. So I think, yeah. the, I think the same way that people would be saying like, oh, this guy's shooting a crazy, crazy percentage in the regular season that might just slow down in the playoffs. I think you could have probably said the opposite of that about Kreider on the power play. And I think we're, we're seeing that right now. It, it was really just a matter of time.
2: Like, how many goals did he miss in the regular season that you're like, yo, how did he it's, I had the same thought during the game. I was like – it's It's almost like the – I when I was watching it, I'm like, you know, there's so many times during the regular season that, like, the tip just went wide or, like, it just bounced off of something else and just didn't go right. in. Whatever it was didn't work for him for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I had that thought when I was watching. It. I'm like, oh, like, he's finally, like, the bounces are, like, coming back to back to back for him. So it's just nice to see that. Um, kind of bounce in his favor. Um, obviously, and also, I'll, I just want to say this, because any Ranger okay. fan out there that wants to get, you know, send a, a dumb tweet, send uh, something to your friend that's a Devil fan and talk, talk some smack, I'm telling you right now, do not do it. Just,
0: wait, just, wait just, until just, I haven't been doing wait, it. Wait just until wait, the series just ends. Just
2: wait, delete it, just stop uh-huh because this is not over okay this is not over this is not over this is not over um what are some things that you want the? is there anything you want the rangers to change do you want them to just kind of keep things status quo moving forward into games three and four what are your ideal i mean if i feel like it's just keep keep the train rolling yeah i mean it's that i think is such
1: a benefit of being the away team and stealing these two games right when you're when you're at yeah. home and you win two games, well, you could always say, well, that's because we got our matchups on, right? And Ruff has the opportunity right now to take Jack Hughes and get him away from whatever defenseman that he wants him to be. But, you know, the first game, Miller and Truba absolutely shut everybody down. Um, they had no shots against, I think, on like 17 entries. Like, they really shut down the middle of the ice. And then your other option is, well, do I put Jack Hughes against Adam Fox? which like we talked about, I mean, you could put anybody against Adam Fox. Adam Fox is at least enough to probably break even, even with the top players in the league. It's not actually better. Um, cause he's such an unreal player. Like if we, you know, really think about it, like what he's doing is just obscene Um, at this young age. So I think right now, like the real hope is, you know, don't get too much into your head. Like you're saying, like don't think that the series is over, keep it status quo, because right now, whatever Gallant decides to do, like he has the opportunity to put on what he thought really worked when Ruff had the opportunity, right? Ruff made the first move at this point with the matchups and now Gallant could say, well, I actually really liked having, you know, you try to match up Hughes with Fox because I'll keep it that way now in MSG, right? Because it's been working out for us and they could keep doing it and they could shelter Mm -hmm. Meek Schneider a little bit more and let them take care of the third and fourth line, which, you know, I think is a really good recipe for success.
0: Was it just, I, I remember in game seven versus Carolina, he started doing it, but usually does go on really focus on matchups that much. Like this is obviously something he should, right. but is, is there some, like, I remember, I know that there's been concerns sometimes, uh, especially the last playoff run versus Carolina in the first two games, like, oh, I'm sorry, not in the first two games. Uh, it was in games, uh, whatever. The point was, is that he had problems, you know, matching up the lines and he didn't really focus on that.
1: Right, I mean, you know, I, I feel like a lot of no, us... No, like,
0: well, what you said is totally accurate. It's the idea yeah. he absolutely should do. It's just, you know... I,
1: I feel like a lot of us, like, really, like... It's easy to make Gallant the scapegoat based on, like, how they were playing in the regular season and then, obviously, how last playoffs ended and, like, some of his decisions. But for the most part, I think a lot of it could really be traced back to him really giving his bets because those are his guys. Um, Really the full reign, right? He's giving them pretty much up until like the last opportunity to say like, Hey, this is our team. Let's do what we have to do. And that's really what it is when you're trying to compete, you know, to try to win the Stanley Cup. Right. Um, So I think he was pretty much avoiding trying to make the obvious matchup choices because he did want Zabanajad against Crosby because you need him to be. And even though Crosby was really making his way with Zibanejad in the beginning of that series, you still wanted that because if, if, that's, if, if Zibanejad wasn't able to elevate his game to that level when they already locked him into that contract, you're already doomed for the next few years, right? Like, you need that level of growth from these players to say, hey, we are actual all-stars in the league. We do deserve to have to play all these minutes and try to get the game under our control because they are these good players. So I think, especially last year, Gallant was doing a lot of that. It was his first year. He was giving his guys, his veteran guys, especially guys who were under contract, the ability to do it now i think you know with every player having experience him not really being afraid to throw out the kid line i mean i think you know in, even in game one right like the kid line scored the empty net goal i feel like it's because you know galan pretty much told him hey you guys go out here right now in the shutdown role don't pretend that it's four one pretend that it's two one be a shutdown line right now and i think they did it really really well right he's using these opportunities right now to give these kids you know even schneider right all of these opportunities to now be like, okay, pretend this is the position, right? The Devils have been getting embarrassed, right? They want to get some goals. They want to get, you know, shut them down. Um, So now that he, I think, pretty much trusts everybody on this team, right? What, you know, I think now he's a little bit more likely to make these matchup choices, but I don't think he needs to right now against this team because it it seems that no matter what they do, whether it's the Truba pair or the Fox pair, I, I think I'll be pretty confident for now so
0: right yeah oh yeah we we've obviously talked about going a lot on this podcast during the season but you got to give credit when due i mean he came in free scrouting report game plan whatever it was and to perfection i mean you're you're going back home to nothing you disrupted you not only disrupted you just flat out stopped the devil's speed and even at times when they did have speed you just didn't break um and it was just phenomenal Uh, Last question, obviously, I know you got to go. What is something – what are you expecting out of the Devils in Game 3 and how the Rangers could prepare, or do they just stick with their game plan as is?
1: I feel like they have to try to get a cycle game going, right? Like, you could only try – I'm sure, you know, Hughes will still be able to do some crazy, crazy stuff and generate chances for himself. But, you know, I'm actually surprised with how little I'm seeing Timo Meyer, right, Oh, or yes for Brat. I mean, Meyer's more of a physical force than Brat, but, you know, these are guys that I'm assuming, well, you know, something's got to give. These are really, really talented players, and you got to think that they have to do something to try to get it going, but, you know, Meyer is going to be, the reason why they ch- wanted Meyer is because Meyer gives them size and a little bit more of a cycle threat, a guy that could get lost off the cycle and really, you know, get a really, really great shot off, and they haven't really done that, I feel like it's only a matter of time until they really try to get that game going. So the Rangers have to probably be ready for that. But I mean, I feel like it's going to be hard for them, right? Like if they they've been succeeding off this uh, off the rush for this long, you know, it's tough to have. It's tough to decide, like, hey, we got to change our game, right? Like, I I I could see it going both ways. I could see them trying to play the exact same style or trying to make some more
2: moves. I mean,
0: right, one thing that I could, five. Game eighty five, you just decide to change your style. It's not exactly, exactly going to work,
2: right? One of the it's not, that, that it's, not, it's, it's not even that it's not it's not even it's not going to work. It's it's hard to change when you've been doing something the entire. No, that, that's that's what
0: I'm saying. Like for eighty, yeah. For 80.
2: I mean, the other yeah. thing I'm possibly yeah. I, doing is like, you know, they put
1: these certain defensemen out there right now, uh, guys that are you know like Kevin Ball's like huge six six defenseman, mean guy, really really good against the cycle, um, in theory. Uh, Brendan Smith's more of a defensive guy, but they do have some more puck movers. Like, obviously, Luke Hughes might be getting, I think, a game, probably game three. Um, And I think the Devils need that. I think they're really actually lacking some legitimate puck movers right now. Um, Dougie Hamilton is probably the only guy. Damon Severson is all right of a player, but he's not like this, you know, insanely good puck mover, and he's not an insanely good defensive defenseman. He's a pretty good defenseman, but more of a jack-of-all-trades type of guy um and ball doesn't carry the puck brennan smith doesn't carry the puck doesn't really pass the puck really well siegenthaler is a pretty good defensive guy doesn't really pass the puck as much right more of a shutdown dude marino fantastic defensive player but also a type of guy that usually doesn't pinch in right now dougie hamilton is really their only offensive threat but on both sides of puck on their back end and i feel like that why the Rangers are having success because when he's not on the ice that's when they're allowed that's when the Rangers have been forechecking like crazy and really hemming the, the Devils into their own zone Um like so I think we might be seeing some moves in regards to that where maybe the Devils try to get a little bit more speed and puck moving actually on, um, on the back end because right now I mean Dougie Hamilton did not do well tonight and to be totally honest when your best defenseman is Brendan Smith I think I think you've got a
0: problem, right? So, yeah, um, I'd say I, so. Yeah, th- that's not that's not a that great. Um, all right, uh, I know we said uh, we're gonna wrap this up. I just wanted one more thing. Like, it, it is just mind boggling how they just. L- I I know we spoke about Cryder before, but I I do not understand the game plan. Like, it's mind boggling that they just said, "Oh yeah, sure, Cryder. Like, you could, we're letting you stand in front of the net on the power play. No one's gonna bother you. Like, it is just.
1: I, yeah. No, I, I was looking. Obviously, it's only been two games. And I'm trying to figure out why they're doing it. Because you're you're right, right? Like it, it, it makes doesn't... no sense. Like, what are you doing? I think the big thing is they're thinking that hey, as long as we prevent the like, they're afraid of the Panarin and the Zibanejad shots. They're afraid of the cross ice moves because, to be totally honest, Vanacek, right, is a guy who moves around a lot. I remember I was listening to on Arthur Staples stuff with Balaket, and Balakat saying like, this is a guy who. Likes to battle, likes to move, but he gets lost. And with a lot of movement and a guy getting lost in coverage, right, you could nail a lot of rebounds. So they probably are trying to limit the amount that Banachek tries to move by preventing these cross-team passes because those really are usually the dangerous chances. And the other thing is, like, other than Kreider, who's a who's this type of player in the net front, like Pavelski? There's really not, the league, you know, like really those three guys. There's really not that many guys left in the league that are this talented at that. So you know, they're probably just really focused on what's been working for almost every other team. And, you know, with Prider getting lost in coverage, that's going to work out. The best thing is, now that he's scored four power play goals, and if they're going to start trying to cover Prider, you're having way more traffic in front of the net. And now that opens up seams for maybe Zibanejad or Panera to get lost and probably start really firing away from the slot. So I think now, because of the success, now they're in their heads in so many ways, right? They they probably... And they they move
0: so much. Like, Zabanage up in there and all of them are cycling now around. Like it used to be they were positioned in a specific place and they didn't move. So of course they're not gonna be open. Everyone's just gonna, you know, mm-hmm. they're just gonna have that uh score. I forget what it's called, but you, you get the point. It's yeah. they're not moving. Yeah. So
1: I feel like it's weird, right? Like they put Zabanage at in the like the position that we don't like him at as the bumper, but that almost like forces him to move.
0: Oh, I said that on I said I posted that a couple of months ago. Yeah. I'm like, hey, why not try this? Because it forces the other players to have to now move around, and because yeah. Zabarniak is a threat in the middle, they have to draw towards him, which allows the people around him to come in yeah. more. And then I, I just got just blown to pieces like that on Twitter, but you know,
1: I mean, you know, right, right now it's working, right? Like the big thing is it stops working. The Rangers should make an adjustment, but right now, hey,
0: it's right. And well. Like that's the thing you could you could always change it.
1: Always change it. It's it's you know, especially with the series lead. You could do what you need to do right now. I think you got to keep it status quo. If you know, if they, if things start looking like it's not working out anymore after first period or the second period, you know, you could always change it, experiment if you need to, right? But right now, I think things are going, you know, obviously extremely well. Really, um, like, Josh,
0: yeah, thank you, thank you yep. so much for coming on. Uh, you want to before you go, uh, punch your Twitter handle? What you do? Uh,
1: well, my account is josh underscore k-h-a-l-f-i-n um i do a lot of prospect analysis stuff but we're working on a project with a couple of guys that i'm you know with right now it should be going public soon um and when it does we will probably be i'll probably talk more about it but um a lot of it is trying to hope for finding like the next really you know underrated prospects that goes beyond just looking at some dudes points per game and juniors and be like oh yeah this guy's probably pretty good right um but yeah, a lot of it is trying to do a deep dive on, you know, the the numbers that the Rangers do, because I feel like even though analytics has been getting better of late, like there's still so much more that we could unpack. Right. The numbers only tell so much. And um, at the end of the day, we don't have every single little bit of data to make a full decision. So you'd really try to, you know, dissect it, so to speak. So, I mean, I thank you guys for having me on. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, only two more games of this
0: yeah of course thank you so much for coming on and to our listeners uh thank you so much for listening and yeah we'll see you after game four